Hey there, we're the Westlop Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. We are back. It is the 2023 college football season and we are starting our summer previews here, guys. Um, Very, very excited to dive into football. Um, It's been a a fun spring, a fun winter, um, and and summer is upon us. So uh, we will begin, as we always do, with the Big Ten teams that Northwestern does not play this year. Only four this year. Um, Next year, that's going to go up. Uh, We'll we'll talk about next year next year. But uh, this year, we're going to start with the reigning Big Ten champions, the Michigan Wolverines, a team that you know, really seems to have everything kind of locked and loaded to to run it back again. Um, John, why don't you take us through the the Wolverine D? So a little bit of little bit of background for I mean, a lot of you are probably aware of this, but this spring we were asked to participate in this podcasters poll, which we'll be doing next year, right? Um, and I think there was one poll that was that that they wanted to get up for the spring, um, which at least for us was like, I mean, we had a pretty good idea of the top, pretty good idea of the bottom, and we were trying to piece this thing together. Lord knows how it's going to go during football season next year. But all long way of saying that when we participated in this podcaster's poll and that went up in the spring, we were surprised to discover that we were one of only two pods in the country that projected Michigan as the best team in the country in going into the 2023 season. I assume the other pod was probably the Michigan pod. So on one hand, it kind of feels like we've got some explaining to do. And specifically, it feels like I have some explaining to do because I mean, again, not going to step on scuzz, but it's not like he needs to justify this offense that's coming up when it's going to be starting two Heisman candidates. So the biggest question marks overall for this team probably come on the defensive side of the ball. So what are those question marks, right? This is a unit that was awful on defense in 2020 and then had new defensive coordinators in 2021 and in 2022. So what does all of that mean for Michigan? Well, what it means if you've been following Michigan football as closely as we have for as long as we have is not much at all. Defensive culture is just a bedrock of this football team. There's no team in the Big Ten East, except maybe Penn State, that has been as consistently excellent on D for as long as the Wolverines have been excellent on D. The further we get from that 2020 season, the more bizarre that year looks. Mike McDonald had one excellent year riding the ship last year, but we can look at the, or in 2021, but we can look at the job Jesse Minter did in McDonald's wake last year, and we can see just how effectively Michigan reloads on D. So lest we forget, this is a unit that came into last year having to replace Aiden Hutchinson, David Ojabo, John Ross, Daxton Hill, and its defensive coordinator. So what did the Wolverines do? They fielded by what any measure was the number three defense in the Big Ten last year. And keep in mind that that ranking puts the Wolverines behind only, arguably, the greatest Illinois defense in team history and an Iowa defense that is one of the greatest defensive units ever. So Michigan was awesome last year. But it's really about more than the rankings. 
It's about how Michigan develops major talent and minor talent in terms of recruiting into stars on the field. The secondary is the perfect place to illustrate this. So on one hand, you have former mega recruit Will Johnson, who developed into an absolute lockdown corner, who will be one of the Big Ten's best corners in 2023. But on the other hand, look at DB Mike Sainristil. So we highlighted Sainristil's move from wide receiver to defensive back last year as this like potentially troubling sign for Michigan's depth, maybe. But what happened? Sainristil, who is this former three-star recruit whose best offer was definitely Michigan, develops into one of the best defensive backs in the conference. And guess what? Sainristil's back alongside Johnson this year. And then you throw in excellent safety Rod Moore, who led the team in tackles in the Fiesta Bowl. And guess what? Michigan's just going to mint more excellence alongside those guys because that's what they do. So that's the secondary is going to be one of the Big Ten's best units. And in front of those guys, it's just rock solid at linebacker. They have a ton of experience. Michael Barrett's going to be in his sixth year for the Wolverines. And Junior Colson, we talked about this last year. This is a case where Junior Colson's not that old of a football player. But he was very rightfully given the chance to play as much as possible, as early as possible, under McDonald in 2021. So as a result of that, this is a guy who was graduated high school in 2021. And heading into his junior year, he's already one of the best and most experienced linebackers in the conference. So those two guys are not highlight real guys. But they're smart, effective football players who put you down. So Michigan's just fine at linebacker. If there are question marks for this D, it's up front. So we might find it notable that the biggest name on the Michigan D-line heading into 2023 is a transfer. So that would be Josiah Stewart, who was one of the best small conference edge rushers in the country during his two years at Coastal Carolina. But the thing is, Stewart is a pure edge rusher. He's not a third down guy. So it's not really the classic mold of a Michigan D-E, I'm sure the Wolverines are going to have no, like they're not going to have any problems finding the ways to get the most out of him. He just doesn't fit that mold. The larger issue though, is Michigan doesn't really have a ton of returning experience up front. Up front. UM loses defensive tackle Maisie Smith and end Mike Morris, who were both excellent last year. But two major notes here. So first, Michigan isn't necessarily the kind of D that needs Aiden Hutchinson numbers from one guy every year to work. This this team, this year, is going to be just fine leaning on those back seven guys, being stout up front, and making you just earn every yard. And this is a D-line that will start Chris, G, uh, Chris Jenkins Jr., who is a senior load at DT. But second, and this is probably the more the more important thing here, we just return to the Michigan culture because Smith and Morris were not big names coming into last year. They just became names because this defense just churns out excellence every year. So you can look at relatively untested guys on the D-line like Derek Moore, who is a massive defensive end, who was a former big-time recruit, and you just know that guy's going to step in and perform because that's just what Michigan does. So... Wrapping all of this up on the defensive side of the ball. Is this the sexiest defense ever? No. But it's a talented, dependable, veteran group that doesn't take anything off the table and puts a lot of stuff 
on the table to complement this offense. So from where I sit, sure, this absolutely looks like the D of the number one team in the conference. Because uh, I, I don't know how much more I need to, to tee this up for you. Um, J.J. McCarthy, Blake Corum, let's go. <laughs> so um, last year I was I – was, um, let me be clear. I don't care personally. But um, I was worried uh, in our preview that Michigan's young defense and all the turnover that they had on that side of the ball – was not going to allow their 2022 offense to operate like it had the year before, i.e. they were so effective at just running and grinding teams down in 2021. And that was in large part because any time that they gave the ball back, uh, it just came right back to them. And they would um, typically be close at the half and then blow teams out in the second half. Um, I didn't think that the Michigan offense would have that same opportunity in 2022 because of the turnover on defense. And I implored them to address this by installing JJ McCarthy rather than caretaker Cade McNamara as the quarterback. Uh, and that my thought was that McCarthy would un unlock the offense um, in a way that they hadn't seen, even though 2021 they scored 36 points per game more than they had in almost a decade. Um, I, I really thought that if they wanted to, to consistently beat Ohio state, if they wanted to have a shot against, uh, the, the big, the big teams in the playoffs, um, they needed to be able to go to another level. And JJ McCarthy has the upside to allow them to do that. And it took them a couple weeks into the season, much, much, but much to my surprise, they actually did it. Um, and McCarthy was phenomenal. He matched all of Cade's good numbers from 2021 uh, and then bettered his completion percentage uh, or he bettered the completion percentage and pick rate like ever so slightly. But he really exceeded Cade McNamara's uh, yards per attempt and touchdowns. Um, and he just changed the complexion of Michigan's offense. Now, I'm going to give some credit to a healthy Ronnie Bell who came back to lead the wide receiver room that has, has to have helped tremendously. But this is a two-way street. Like, Ronnie Bell doesn't look as good as he did without McCarthy, who was really effective at attacking vertically, spreading the ball around. When you look at the other wide receivers, you know, from 2021, uh, Johnson, Wilson, their tight ends, their running backs, they all got almost as many or just as many targets as they had the prior year. And then you just had Ronnie Bell sitting on top, um, adding a, a ton of additional production. Um, McCarthy's legs, he carried the ball 70 times at a, at a 4.4 per carry clip that helped keep defenses honest. It allowed Blake Corum so much space to just gash and break ankles at will on his way to the end zone. Um, this, like everything just came together perfectly for this offense last year. They scored an additional five points per game, over 40 points per game. And, um, McCarthy was at the center of all of it. It was really, really impressive. Um, now, here in 2023, the challenge is going to be that the, the team around J.J. will look a lot more like 2021 than 2022. Namely, because Ronnie Bell is gone, there's not a clear heir apparent as a number one receiver. Yes, Corum and Donovan Edwards are both back at running back. They are both awesome last year. Um, the O-line only loses one starter, and they're, you know, they continue to be insanely talented. 
Um, but you know, both tight ends are new and, um, the wide receiver room is a little uninspiring. So Cornelius Johnson and Roman Wilson are both back. These guys have been, you know, stalwart members of this, uh, of this core for, for three years now. Um, neither one has really shown they can be the number one guy though. Like, like Johnson was the leading receiver in 2021, but he didn't put up number one receiver numbers. I think he had like 60 catches for 600 and something yards. He just, he's not the type of guy to make good on a JJ McCarthy, you know, attack as, as the number one receiver. Um, he doesn't have that speed. Not that he can't, you know, make big plays. Um, but he, 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 he's not Ronnie Bell. He's not AJ Henning, a guy that Michigan also lost who didn't see a lot of balls thrown his way, but certainly possesses that top end speed. Um, they had a really deep crop of freshman receivers last year as well. But again, nobody that stands out as a top flight plug and play guy, like sophomores, uh, Tyler Morris, Darius Clemens, Christian Dixon, and uh, freshman Carmelo English are, are all well-regarded talents. Um, Clemens is a pretty big frame. The other three guys are cut from the same cloth as Ronnie Bell, six foot something, you know, 195 pound guys like, I'm I'm sure that they have speed. I'm sure that they have hands, but can they come in and be the top dog to give, to give this offense the weapon that they need to, to really repeat their production? I, I just don't know. So that, that's the, it's like the one, like if you're searching for a needle in a haystack of what could potentially go wrong with this offense this year, that's like you know the one you know piece. Can I just say something um, real quick, Scott? It's what's weird to me about that is you're talking about that like they might not have a take the top off guy, and you mentioned Henning could have been that guy, but Senra stills that guy too, and he's on the other side of the ball now, which is just funny because it was like before yeah. it was like they had so much speed they didn't need to put either of those guys on the field, and now, well, I mean unless they decide to move Senra still back, but I don't think that's going to happen. So it's pretty interesting. Well, the other, I mean, the other thing they didn't like Corum was a contributor in 2021, but he wasn't the face of the running game like in 22. And and that that's the other interesting wrinkle. So, you know, it's funny because like the defense loses a lot less than they did in 2022. But to repeat the production and performance, even even with some of the, 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 the turnover is going to be a, a pretty mean feat, like. That being said, though, if they feel good about their defense, they could take their foot off the gas on the offense a little bit, take a little bit more of a conservative step back and and just try to grind teams out with the run game. You've got JJ. He's an accurate passer. He, his legs are decent. They've, they've got talent at wide receiver. You can use that to stretch defenses horizontally and open up space for Quorum. He just he just needs to make one dude miss and he's gone. Right. Um you can play that way and still have an effectively explosive offense because of the talent you have at running back. So that could be um, a way, a, a way that they wrinkle. I mean, you, you, you could see more of the 2021 style of offense. Um, but I, you know, they also might have, you know, two guys that are fast enough and JJ throws a really good deep ball and that that's all they need to keep um, to keep going at the at the speed we saw last year and and continue to to smash teams offensively. Um, I will say, 
their starting field position is going to suffer without AJ Henning a little. That might hurt them on occasion, but um, let's be honest. This team is going to have, yeah, this, this team's going to have no problem scoring points on everyone on their schedule. If you or a loved one is seriously injured by someone else's negligence, hire Kent Sinson of the Sinson Law Group. After over a decade prosecuting murder cases in Chicago, Sinson opened his own firm focused on wrongful death and personal injury cases. He specializes in car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and other transportation accidents, as well as construction accidents, medical negligence, slip and falls, product liability, and more. Millions recovered for clients. No fee unless he wins. The Sinson Law Group. Compassion, empathy, and vigorous advocacy. Go to SinsonLawGroup.com or call 312-332-2107 for a free consultation and go Cats. Spe- speaking of their schedule, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll get back to that. Uh, so they open the season. Um, you know, their non-conference is all at home, like, like normal. Read out this poo-poo platter up until the month of no. I can't. Holy cow. <laughs> all right. East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, Rutgers, September, the first four games of September, all at home. Uh, then they're at Nebraska, at Minnesota, home for Indiana, at Michigan State, home for Purdue. They have the bye week between Michigan State and Purdue. Uh, then they're at Penn State, at Maryland, and home for Ohio State to finish off. Is the this the most backloaded schedule we have ever looked at in the history of the Big Ten previews? I mean, it, it's up I've there. I've never seen. And I mean, like, they're going to have to stay awake for the first two months of the season. I. Not really. Yeah. Oh, well, no, that's what I mean. I mean, like, like that's what I mean is like <laughs> so, they're this team's only enemy is going to be just like the fact that they're going to have to throttle it up later on. That's what I mean. I mean, so they they don't. One of the interesting things as I was as I was you know starting to dig through offenses, um, especially in the East, JJ McCarthy. And Talia Tungavaloa are the only established good returning quarterbacks. Yeah. In the East. Wow. So, like, not only do they have a poo poo platter of opponents here, they're going to be facing at least, well, I'll, I'll, I'll give Minnesota uh, Kaliak Manas because he, he was effectively the starter in the back half of last Super. year. But awesome. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't call them established or good yet. Um, UNLV's got an interesting quarterback coming back this year, but, um, my God, like Rutgers, Nebraska, Indiana, and Michigan are pretty much starting from scratch this season on offense. I mean, I I was going to, I was going to ask like Blake Corum coming off the injury, like, will he be ready to go at the beginning of the season? But I Probably that's, doesn't matter. It like, does not matter. He yeah. doesn't need to. He doesn't even even need to suit up until November. Well, it's, 11th. it's such an interesting thing too because going back to what Scuzz started the offensive preview with, right? The whole notion of the fact that they had to make the switch to McCarthy, not because it made a difference during the regular season for them, but because if they have notions Correct. of winning a national title, eventually they're going to come up against these premium teams that they're going to need him to beat. And it's the same kind of thing where it's like somewhere out there, there's a Michigan football fan listening to Scuzz talking about the back of this and having sh- shivers thinking that Jim Harbaugh is being like, so you're telling me I can just run the football play. 
<laughs> under center play action football i'll just roll over the entire beginning of this schedule and it's like at some point they are gonna have to be really dynamic and, and again like let's be honest like i mean i kind of feel like they'll find a receiver i mean they have all the rope in the day i mean it, it is you look at their first eight games seven of those teams might be awful not bad, awful football teams. And the, the eighth being Minnesota, who like, again, like, we'll see what's Minnesota, you know what I mean? And they're they're going on the road, I guess, so we'll see what happens there. But yeah. They, they, lo- they lost a lot. Yeah. They, their quarterback's back, but they lost a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, it, it, theoretically, I mean, we'll get to Minnesota many, you know, weeks down the road. But it's like, Minnesota could even be a total house of cards. So... There, but then you know, at Penn State, the Buckeyes obviously, and then potentially if if Talia, I mean, you've talked about the two quarterbacks. I mean, the other thing, Knockwood is like, you know, Talia's got to make it to November eighteenth for that one. So if he if he does, right, trappy trappy trap, right trap. for sure. So I mean, it's like with all that said, I mean, this team is so stacked, and I mean, again, that's the weird thing is like if. What will they do? Because right, if 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 they don't have a dominant receiver to start the season, there's no impetus for them to figure that out quickly. They won't need to. Like, I, well, yeah. and and but here, well, and here, here's the other piece of that, right? So there's there's not a good offense on this calendar, except for Ohio State, maybe Maryland. I'm not sure what to think about Penn State, but like it's 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 going to be brand. It's going to be kind of starting from scratch at Penn state, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The good defenses on this calendar would be Penn state, maybe Purdue, maybe Minnesota. Sure as shit ain't Ohio state though. That like, they don't, they don't need a top end receiver to beat Ohio state. They may play one good defense this year. And that is at Penn state. That's the really crazy part is that I, and like, I don't think they will face a team with a good offense and a good defense until Until the postseason. Yes. And, and, and that really underscores that they don't need that receiver to develop until late in, late in the season. Yeah. And they can afford to ease Corum back into. Yeah. I mean, the more we've gotten into this, the more it feels like, I mean, like they're really the best team in the big 10 and they're, you know, they're, especially early on, there are going to be some game where they're going to win like 30 to seven or 30 to 14 at Nebraska. And the national pollsters are going to be like, really? We, this is why we have Michigan at number two or Michigan at number three. And like, they're just going to have to deal with all that because I mean, this is, they, they are, I mean, again, though, I, I think the flip side is all this team has to do is to Scuzz's point. It feels like all they have to do is find an impact receiver and maybe, find an impact defensive lineman, but I don't even know if they need to do that. And I mean, honestly, like I'm looking at this, they are going to obliterate teams on this schedule, like the flip side of this. So, well, well, yeah. uh, so, so, so this is, I mean, like on paper, like this is absolutely what should happen. Now we all know that college football often doesn't work that way. We have seen right. a similarly stacked national title bound Michigan team lose week one to Appalachian state in our lifetimes. Um, So weird stuff could happen, you know, like at Michigan state, we, that's a trail of tears for, for Mr. Harbaugh Um, at, you know, 
I'm not particularly worried about at Nebraska or at Minnesota, but like who knows? And then that finish at Penn State at Maryland and then home against the Buckeyes is um not for the faint heart faint of heart. Yeah, that's true. And plus, I mean, you're talking November weather is going to come into effect. I mean, it's like you're going to have great weather theoretically, you know, up until their schedule gets tough and then you get into the, you know, November, but you know, you're probably not going to see any November night games. I mean, they've already announced uh, the big noon kickoff for both Penn state and Ohio state on Fox. So, you know, early, early day games there, you know, Maryland probably, I mean, they're probably not going to do a night game there and you know, home against Purdue, you know, I wouldn't imagine they would play that one under the lights. So like, yeah, yeah no, I don't know. Is there at least is Purdue is Purdue anything to I I like I I'm I I I I intimated that like their offense is not going to be grand. I mean like they're I I believe they've got a uh T- Texas's former starting QB coming in, right? Um Hudson Card. Um but I'm not I like I haven't I haven't gotten them to yet, to them yet, so I'm not quite sure if we should be worried at all. I mean, uh, Phil Steele has them dead last in the West. To so. me, I mean, that Penn State game to me just looms over everything. And it's it's that trip to, to Beaver Stadium. And then the just... The, the letdown look-ahead sandwich, uh, to quote the solid verbal of, you know, Maryland between Penn State and Ohio yeah, State. Yeah, that's for sure. On the road. Yes, Sam. But then again, without jumping ahead, here's where I tell you that Maryland's incredibly mediocre run D loses their entire two deep on the front line. And it's just like, I'm just like, like, yeah, they got four new starters on the offensive line. Yeah, there is the whole part of this where we remember that Michigan's Michigan. But again, it's like, how long has it been since Michigan? I mean, I, I know we're in the minority on this poll, but how long has it been since Michigan was starting? I mean, I think we can firmly say with an expectation that they're going to be in the national title game at the end of the year. And that's a heck of a lot of pressure to, to wear, you know, week to week and we'll see how they do. But I think, you know, in a vacuum, I look at all this and I'm like, I, I expect them to win every one of these games and be 12 and 0 going into the playoffs. Something could go wrong. um, But I, I feel like if Michigan plays the kind of football that they can play, like this is a team that ought to be playing in the national title game. So obviously, I mean, I, I don't think any of us have to squint to see an undefeated season here. I mean, that that's absolutely on the table. What is what's the floor here? Like, if the bottom were to fall off, um, ten and how how ten and two, ten and, ten two? and two for me. I can't see this team being with ten and two for me would be a disaster. That would mean, in my mind, that would mean losing at Penn State, which okay. But then losing to an Ohio State team that, let's be honest, Michigan owns right now. So, um, you know, and I, I mean, I, I get it. Michigan State, Michigan State, that's a rivalry. They're right. There's a big history there. I mean, that team looks like they are going to just get fed to the Lions against Michigan. So so here I'll, I'm going to paint the absolute worst case scenario. Um the worst case scenario is that JJ McCarthy gets injured somehow okay. and Michigan must turn to former Indiana quarterback Jack Tuttle. Oh boy. I was Blake Blake oh Corum does not recover from his injury. Uh they do not find a a top flight receiver and the defensive line is um kind of medium and and doesn't nobody really emerges. And 
I'll go from ten and two down to like nine and three in that worst case scenario. Yeah, in that worst case scenario, because, because Donovan, I was about Donovan to say Donovan Edwards, Edwards, the offensive Donovan line. Edwards rushes yes. for twenty four hundred yards in the scenario you just outlined. Yes, a hundred percent. Man, they're they're good. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I would be hard pressed not to see them. Uh, in the, I mean, they're going to be in the conversation at the end of the year for Indy. I mean, without a doubt. And, you know, we'll, we'll be hearing a lot about them, you know, nationally. I would expect to see them in the playoff uh, and, and we'll go from there. But uh, and, any last words on the Wolverines? No, I just, I, I felt like, I guess we didn't know at the time, but I felt like when that spring poll got out, you know, came out, we unwittingly put our necks out there a little bit with with the call of putting Michigan number one and I think we all only feel better about that now I mean I you know well I like so like so much of our choice there like a we felt really good about Michigan but so much of our choice there was also like we're just we're not just gonna rubber stamp Georgia right like that's what 80 percent of the other podcasts in that poll did and I like they lost an obscene amount of talent and at some point that bites you um especially you know like they didn't have a quarterback better than Stetson Bennett the last few years. And now he's gone. And that like, I don't know that that's a little bit of a concern I have to say. So what, you know, we'll, we'll see, but, um, right. And, and frankly, in my, in my, you know, mind's eye, um, Georgia inexplicably lost uh, a playoff game to Ohio state or really should have, yeah. which is, um, really effing funny, frankly. Um, and Michigan, you know, beat the tar out of that Ohio State team. So, um, you know, whatever. All right, well, let's go ahead and leave it there for uh, for Michigan. Uh, head to our website, westlotpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pirates, and email the show, westlotpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. Look for us in the Westlot of Brian Field flagging the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. John Lacombe and Eric Skazby, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.